Hello, and welcome to this installment of Precision Ag's Visionary Series, where we talk to the people behind the future of farming. Our program's divided into three parts, past, present, and future, and today we welcome Jim Ethington, CEO of Arable Labs, which makes sensor technology for decision agriculture. Jim joined Arable in 2018 as its CEO. Prior to that, he worked for Climate Corporation for 10 years and was instrumental in the development and growth of its FieldView platform. Jim, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Absolutely. David, thank you for having me on. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how you came to find agriculture. You came up uh, through um, San Francisco's infamous programming community and um, spent some time with PricewaterhouseCoopers as an analyst. And when did you discover agriculture? Yeah, I think it, it really goes back to uh, a little bit of where I grew up. You know, I, I grew up uh, outside of Chicago. I went to high school uh, in Aurora, Illinois, which is kind of on the border between uh, the suburbs and the uh, uh, the rural communities, and you know that that high school uh, was surrounded on three sides by cornfields. And the first day of uh, of our science class, you know, we walked out into the cornfield and uh, we started talking about how uh, you know what happens in in farming really brings together elements of biology, chemistry, and physics. And uh, you know that. That was probably, I didn't realize it at the time, but, but that and just having a lot of family uh, from around the Midwest and spending time uh, in agricultural communities and having that, uh, that background, I think more than your, your average uh, computer scientist really gave me appreciation for both the, the people in agriculture, but also uh, the challenges and the complexity and the science behind what really goes into it. Um, and I think that just uh, as my career progressed and as I had the opportunity to, to dive into it further and further, I've been you know, working at the intersection of agriculture and technology now for about 13 years. Um, I just, I find it very rewarding. It's, it's a great industry to work in, in terms of the impact you can have. And uh, it's a great, uh, bunch of people to, to be able to work with as customers and partners. So that's, that's one of the things that I find really exciting about it is the, the challenge combined with the people. Well, clearly that Midwest perspective has helped you um, at that intersection of technology and agriculture. Was it something you were always looking for or did your first introduction, you know, on the tech side with Climate Corp, did that just kind of happen. Good question. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go back and uh, you know, tell another, another story from a little bit before climate because I think it, it really sets up the climate story. You know, when I was uh, again, you know, 15 years old, working working summers, um, and I was doing uh, web development. I was I was making web applications, and I uh, not far from where I grew up was a company called, called Stats Inc. And they collect all the statistics for Major League Baseball. And they were making, um, you know, believe it or not, fantasy baseball games back in the, the 90s. And uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Bill James who, uh, who worked uh, with that company and made uh, interesting fantasy games. And I was working with him on, 
on building those uh, those applications and coding them up and building the data systems. Bill James is obviously uh, famous in, in some circles as the, the father of uh, modern analytics in, in not just baseball, but sports. Uh, you know, the book Moneyball by Michael Lewis is based off of uh, the innovations that, that Bill James brought to the game. And so that was, that was sort of by happenstance that I ended up sort of deep in the world of, of data and analytics um, and uh, really you know, was one of the things that fueled my interest in uh, what I just thought was a, a fascinating story. Basically, people have been looking at baseball for 100 years uh, and had a lot of preconceptions about how you evaluate players and how you play the game. And it, it took somebody to bringing all the right data together and looking at it a different way to say, hey, maybe there's some, some other ways we could improve. Um, and I just think it was a, a fascinating development that, that had a lot of applications across other industries. And so you then fast forward to 2008, and I'd been working on yeah, various products sort of in more of the more general use of, uh, of technology and data. Um, had the opportunity to come out here to to California. Actually, the reason I moved from Chicago to San Francisco uh, had nothing to do with my job. I was, I was dating a girl at the time who lived here in San Francisco, and uh, we decided it was time for one of us to uh, move to the other city. And uh, she took a look at the weather in, in Chicago and said, I, I think that's probably going to have to be San Francisco. <laughs> um, and so I picked up, packed up my car and uh, moved out here and uh, you know, found a job with the, at the time the company was called Weatherbill, and it was uh, kind of right right in my wheelhouse. You know, they had invented a really novel technology to um, simulate and um, predict the probability of different future weather outcomes, and they were trying to use that um, to help businesses protect against the risk related to that weather. Um, I thought it sounded great. I loved the the team and started there in, in 2008. And it was really there that, you know, agriculture was just one of 10 different industries that the company was, was looking at. Um, and when I got there and started working on these products, I was uh, just really drawn in by how uh, the fit between what the way farmers make decisions and the risk that they faced and this technology that we've been developing came together. And it wasn't long after I started and was out visiting with a bunch of our customers, I was in a product management role at that point, no longer on the, the coding side. Um, the more customers I met with, the more I, I said, wow, this is, uh, this is something that's needed in the industry. And agriculture is really the, the fit for uh, a technology that can provide weather risk management. And, and you know, by 2009 or so, we were shutting down all the other parts of the business and, and focusing entirely on agriculture. Did you have any other Aggies there with you or people from the Midwest who understood agriculture or, you know, any, any sort of, or was it all rooted in the technology at that point? Yeah, there was uh, there was a, one of the, the salespeople, his name was Jeff, Ham his name is Jeff Hamlin. Um, and he was, he was out, um, you know, in the market talking to a lot of these customers about what their risks were. And he was, you know, he was also, uh, you know, focused on the, the opportunity in, in agriculture. And he was uh, coincidentally for also from kind of the, the outer suburbs of, uh, of Chicago. So yeah, from the Midwest um, and, uh, but not, not from and, and of agriculture, didn't grow up on a farm, but uh, at least had an appreciation 
for it, I think. And, um, you know, he was, he was really instrumental also in sort of prospecting and understanding some of those customer needs. Um, and as we grew, obviously we added, we added a lot more people. Um, but no, in the, in the early days, it really was a predominantly a technology company that was, uh, was trying to solve problems in, in agriculture. Well, that's an interesting dynamic that we continue to face today. This, um, these non-endemic agriculture companies, as we'd call them, we see it with IBM and AWS and continues with Google. And, and back then, before Monsanto, you have, you're one of the few that has that perspective of being an outsider from the ag industry. And, and I wonder how much that influenced the development of FieldView and whether or not you saw that as an obstacle to work in agriculture as an outside, kind of an outside tech company. Yeah, it's a great question. I think that there, um, in some ways that it presents obstacles, in other ways it, it presents opportunities. You know, you come in not knowing what's been tried before and not knowing what, uh, people assume won't work. There's a lot of, again, preconceptions about, oh, you, you can't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, people, people won't uh, follow that if you, if you tell them to do it that way. And, and coming in with, uh, with less um, of that baggage sometimes allows for, for greater innovation. Um, and so, you know, being freed of, uh, of all of those assumptions uh, opens things up. At the same time, um, not understanding the market, not understanding the customer, not understanding the industry is, is a great hindrance. And so I've, I've always thought, and this is something I, I hold near and dear at, uh, at Arable, is the, the path has to be in the bringing together of the two. Uh, and I think if you end up too far on, you know, on one side of that balance to the other, either saying, you know, the, the only way to do this is with, you know, 100% people who really deeply understand the industry or, uh, too far to the side of, you know, we're, we're going to stay outsiders and we don't really need to, to bring in, you know, the, the deep uh, experience and understanding. You're really not going to be able to, to scale products. And that certainly was true of what we saw <clears throat> with FieldView. You know, one of the, the great things about FieldView is, um, you know, that product came out of the convergence of, uh, you know, multiple teams and multiple people. There's a, an incredible team at uh, Precision Planting, which was, you know, born and headquartered out of Morton, Illinois, and had this incredibly deep um, background in history and experience and closeness to the grower. And uh, it, it, adding to that, which we did through acquisition, companies like 640 Labs, um, which didn't have a, as, you know, as deep of a uh, agricultural background, but was out of the Chicago area and, and produced the, the FieldView Drive that became part of the FieldView product, and and the the teams at Climate those kind of got uh, pulled together into the the FieldView offering, and it was a great example of you, know, you have a, a team of uh, data engineers and data scientists and uh, programmers, and I think that there's something magic when you can mix those those elements together. Um, and I, you know, my advice to, to companies out there would be to not think of it as some binary um, decision where you have to, to decide you're, you're going about it one way or the other, but to try to evaluate each step of the way, hey, what could we add to the team that would round out 
our experience set and make sure that we are bringing together the, the most diverse team possible in terms of you know, background and experience. Well, that's great. And obviously that was a successful recipe. FieldView now is, has about uh, 60 million paid acres under management and uh, you helped it through its, its first 50. I wonder if it was hard for you to, to move on to something else when you finally saw it gaining traction <laughs> and, uh, and what, what that ev you know, career evolution looks like. Yeah, it's, I, left, uh, I left in mid-2018, and uh, it was hard. You know, that was, uh, that was something I'd invested a lot uh, of time in. Um, obviously, um, love the, the team there and become very close with a lot of, uh, a lot of folks. And you know, felt like a little bit of, um, you know, walking away from something that, uh, that it, it was everybody's, but I felt a special ownership for that product. And... Um, and that made it tough. I think, uh, you know, I used to think about it as sort of, you know, you're climb, climbing the mountain and uh, you, you don't want to leave before you get to, to see the view from the top. Mm -hmm. um, but in other ways, I felt like um, I had been able to accomplish a lot of, a lot of what I set out to, um, you know, creating a product that had global impact, um, that was pushing, pushing the boundaries, that was uh, helping make farmers' lives easier, and um, you know, after we saw that really hit some scale in in the U.S., and we're able to launch it in Canada and Brazil, where we had uh, and can, that product continues to have incredible success, as well as Europe, and really having you know gotten the team to a great place. Uh, I just I felt this pull to uh, to go back and uh, to that earlier stage where. Um, you're just faced with a different set of challenges and you know having done that before um and seeing you know the opportunity to arable kind of came across my my radar um it was uh too good to pass up well that brings us to the present arable is a arable labs is a sensor producer it's a manufacturer of solar powered multi-sensing uh hardware and um also data management and um can you talk a little bit about, you know, in a, in a time in which sensing technology is going one of two ways, it's becoming um, all in one or it's becoming, um, you know, with the development of nanotechnologies, these smaller, almost throwaway kind of one input um, sensing type of things. Can you, can you talk about that dynamic and, and why you went this way with Arable? Sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that, I've heard over and over again, talking to farmers, I've met with thousands of farmers around the world. Um, and I've, every, virtually every time I ask a version of the question, what is it that you think uh, you know, we could help with? What are some of the big challenges you're facing? What are the things that, uh, that you need that technology may be able to help with? And by far the most common answer is it's not, it's not uh, selecting the right seed. It's not how to, you know, to fertilize optimally. It's, it's, it's not those decisions. It's, I'm looking for somebody to help bring all of these different technologies to, together and really make them work seamlessly together. I've got, you know, seven different systems going on. None of them talk to each other. It's, it's, uh, you know, a big enough hindrance that it leads to people not using these technologies. And so, you know, one one way for all this to work together is a theme that really really came out of that. And so, you know, to your question, 
I think this idea of bringing all of my my data, my information, and my decisions to into to one place, and not necessarily all of my decisions across the farm, but enough of them about uh, sort of a theme of some like agronomic decisions um, is what is what's needed in the market. And you can you know imagine for for yourself or any technology products that you use, yeah, it's it's really cumbersome to try to yourself piece together multiple siloed systems and the the companies that are able to connect them and make it feel seamless to the the customer and that's that's both through developing enough of those use cases in, in one system but more importantly being able to connect well with the other technologies in the market um you know no one person's going to do this all all by themselves and you know being able to connect data seamlessly uh, from multiple systems is, is really the biggest part of that. And so, you know, what I would say is I think there's room for both of those lanes that you're, you're talking about one around sort of all in one and bringing it together. Another one around sort of very uh, focused individual uh, use cases. But I do think at the end of the day, the farmer is not going to use a large number of very small systems they're going to want to use a, a small number of more comprehensive systems. And at Arable, we do, you know, we we do provide a a, a product that has a lot packed into to one device, uh, a system that can tie that together with other data. Um, and in doing that, we provide access for third-party sensors to be plugged into that as well, helping. We believe, you know, the companies who have developed something great um, to shortcut many of the hard steps of be connecting data out of the field, putting that in the data uh, storage system, getting it through to the grower. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that there continues to be a lot of innovation and you know, new technologies coming on. And it's up to you know, the market to be able to provide solutions that still have that be logical and usable to the, to the, to the farmer. Do you consider yourself a hardware manufacturer or a software uh, data company solutions provider? Great question. I get that. Uh, it feels like every day. Um, <laughs> and the, the answer, and I, I feel strongly about this, is the answer is that we are, we are a data company powered by unique hardware. Mm -hmm. We help optimize decisions on the farm and through the food system. And so what that answer tells you is that we are 100% both. Our, our strategy and our philosophy is that in order to solve problems of the complexity of agriculture and crop systems, uh, you're going to be able to move much deeper and much faster if you're able to innovate on uh, the hardware and the data science component together and in concert. And that means you know, we can uh, more deeply understand the data that comes off our device. We can add to it. If and when we need to, uh, we, you know, as that data flows to the back end, we are running the algorithms behind that and pushing it through um, to the user. Where that, you know, where I would separate that is we do that through to our own products, um, where we have our own mobile app, our own web app, our own recommendation systems. But we're also very eager on both sides of that I mentioned to help connect other companies' products, but also to use what we produce as a, a data engine, an analytics engine for other other folks' uh, products that are already in the market. So we have a great partnership 
with, uh, with Zar- the Zarvio team at BASF. Uh, we just announced uh, a partnership with Netafim, the, the leader in precision irrigation, where you know, we can provide the infield sensing and crop analytics to already developed products um, that have already have reached the market. And so, you know, I, I think we, we see huge opportunity in, in going down a path that has uh, excellence and expertise in both hardware and sensing and data and analytics. And, uh, you know, you can see some of the most uh, successful and valuable companies in the world have, have gone down that path before. Uh, it is harder, though. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to your point of interoperability and where your system ends and others begin. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, I, I appreciate you referencing the Zarvio partnership and the, the Netafim co- partnership. Do you feel like that is the best way to scale your business by creating partnership for other platforms, data, data products for other platforms. You mentioned your app and that kind of um, creates, you know, the, the, the data pathway all the way to the end user, which makes you a little bit more of a consultant and takes you out of what might be some of your strengths or perhaps, you know, creating the data for other people who are already touching that farmer in an agronomic consulting way um, you might not quite have that infrastructure built up yet so i guess the question is how do you talk about this at arable about the right way to scale and the right yeah. time to create partnerships yeah it's something we talk about a lot and uh, you know the the mission uh our mission at arable is is to have mock maximum positive impact on agriculture around the world and uh, you think about the $4 trillion of farm gate production that happens in agriculture, you think about the fact that 45% of the world's population gets up every day and works in agriculture. I mean, it happens in every country, um, different crops, different practices, different regions. And if you want to be able to touch that, the, a market that, that, that's that diverse and um, you know, has that many different components and characteristics to it, you have to, you have to embrace this idea that we're going to do it together with, uh, with many different partners. Um, and I think that's, that's core to how we see the world at Arable. Um, you know, and I mentioned we, we build our own products as well. That is important for several reasons. One, even in those partnerships, oftentimes the Arable products sit side by side with the partner's products and maybe just serves a slightly different purpose and the, you know, they connect the data as it's seamless between the two, but maybe, you know, either um, the, the farmer or, you know, this is also, I think, important to understand, uh, you can kind of come in and think like, okay, so there, you know, in this world, there is a farmer, um, but that's not really how it works. You know, farming is a team sport uh, and there's a lot of different people who work on a farm, uh, you know, or a ranch or at a food company or at a, you know, at an input company. And so you have, you know, the irrigation manager, you have the director of agronomy, you have the, the folks working in the field. And so um, I think both to capture the, complex, the complexity of agriculture's market, but also just the realities of, of how things operate on a farm. Uh, you have to be open to this idea that there's different use cases that can be solved. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that's that's really how we look at it. And then you know, you, you mentioned another piece, which is, hey, if you're going to actually be changing decisions on the farm, in many of those cases, you're going to want to make sure you have you know, boots on the ground, people in the field who can help uh, introduce those products and work through them and support them. And we do we do some of that ourselves. Um, we do a fair bit of it, uh, you know, in places here like California that's in our backyard. But when we go, um, you know, to work in in other geographies, we're often looking for who can be a really strong partner to help us get to market, make sure that uh, the grower has a great experience with the product and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right, right now in decision agriculture, what we, we have a ton of data, right? We have a ton of models. We have um, all sorts of data coming back from the, the capture, the mechanisms of capture, capture and now what we're really struggling with is getting the right information to the decision maker at the time of the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you strive for, for that reality on your platforms? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I could talk uh, a lot about um, the other, other products in the market and other companies have done that. I think Zarvio has done a great job with that around the, uh, crop protection and spraying set of decisions, exactly what you're saying. You know, how do I move from inundation with data to uh, pos- usefulness, positive ROI, making my life simpler? And one of the areas that, you know, that we do that with arable uh, is around irrigation. <clears throat> and so you know, it starts with um, kind of removing the, the complexity and the overhead of how I get really good data and information about about my crops, so I don't have to go set up you know, four different systems. I don't have to um, try to piece my uh, evapotranspiration from one system, evapotranspiration sort of water use of the crop system, um, the weather from another, the soil moisture from another, my uh, irrigation flow rates from from yet another, and my you know, my imagery or my crop health from uh, from another. And so, simplifying all of that and putting all that data in context and right next to each other in one system starts to uh, cut into the problem that you're talking about, which is, you know, one of the reasons it's a problem to have so much data is that it, it, none of it's really in context and none of it is, is uh, positioned in a way where you could make a decision against it. The other challenge is, you know, if it's just a bunch of streams of, of data, well, you know, that's still a few too many hops away from the decision for it to make sense to me. So you really have to think about sort of completing the loop or completing the use case. And so one of the things that we do around irrigation is, you know, taking the crop that's in the field, the understanding of that crop's water need and uh, its growth stage, which is a super important element. It's, you know, it's not uniform across the crop's growth, how you're going to to irrigate, Um, pulling all that together, the weather, um, the irrigation system flow rates, and being able to, to turn those you know, 15 different uh, data components into a simple recommendation that, that says this is the number of hours to irrigate each day this week and making that accessible to an irrigation manager who's expecting you know, ET um, evapotranspiration and you know, hours of, of, of operation. That's a great example where if you can get sort of all the way to the end, it makes a big difference. And then obviously you know, what, what you'd see in the future there is, um, you know, the irrigation manager can pass that along seamlessly to the, op- the operation of irrigation equipment. And you don't, you know, you don't have to be 
wasting time driving out and manually turning on and off uh, blocks. You can do that through uh, a system that has, that has automated the, the manual steps and you can spend more time thinking about the strategy and the efficacy of, of the decisions themselves. Well, that's, that's a, a comprehensive way to look at the entire process of data in and, um, and how to make it actionable. I appreciate that. It, um, it, it begs the question, how are you monetizing your product right now? Are you selling the sensor? Are you selling a per acre subscription? Yeah, so we sell the sensor. Uh, and then there's a subscription per sensor that um, provides the access to the software and also the connectivity. Each of our devices connects uh, in the field. And so uh, there's a, an annual fee that sort of backs up the, the use of the, of the hardware. We do see more and more customers uh, interested in just a pure subscription model. So instead of buying the hardware and owning the hardware and then paying uh, a smaller annual fee. People just want to pay one amount each year. They don't own the hardware. They, you know, they lease it. it you'll see this more and more with cell phones and you, know, you think about your cable box or your satellite dish. Um, and that's, that's becoming a more prevalent model for us as well. Well, that's a perfect segue into the future with our just last couple minutes here. Um, there's been a lot of talk lately about outcomes-based models. And I think you're alluding to a version of that. Do you feel um, as some of the larger crop protection companies and, and perhaps farm management um, software companies start to look at an outcomes-based model that you can fit into that? Yes, and I, think, I think outcomes-based pricing or this, this idea of, of changing the entire business model of, of how inputs are purchased is is super interesting. I think that there's uh, a lot of potential for it. I think yeah, at the end of the day, I, what it ends up being is, is another option in the market for how farmers can manage risk and, and buy inputs. I don't think it you know, is necessarily something that has to, to change the way that all of agriculture operates. But if I, if I am more um, interested in saying, hey, instead of spending $27 an acre for this particular uh, fungicide, application, you know, what if I pay nothing up front, and then if it really works, uh, I give up a third of the profit. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be interesting to a lot of people, um, but maybe not everybody. And in that case, it's, it's really complicated how you need to run that system. Because again, you know, crop production is a dynamic and interdependent system. You need to be able to tell what drove different outcomes. You need to be able to measure them. Uh, and so our position in that is the best in the industry solution to understanding the dynamics between crop and environment during the season. So uh, I think what companies trying to do that will find is you know, making sure you understand why the outcome happened will be essential. And, uh, and that'll only introduce more and more needs for, you know, for better, um, better sensing, better analytics products that can do that. How far away are we, do you think, from either guaranteeing clean, healthy fields or uh, yields at, at, per acre uh, at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, you know, there's, there's some small versions of it out there that are, there are kind of happening. You see kind of different ways that business model comes, uh, comes up. So, you know, before it's really a broad-based commercial offering, it's really hard to say. Sometimes these things 
developing the market much faster than you thought or much longer. I think it's, it's definitely a couple of years before you're, you're out of the, um, Hey, we're just sort of trialing this and piloting it. Um, and one of the reasons I think that is there's just a lot of technical complexity to being able to run it as a full product, um, that still needs to be worked out. And again, I think, um, the future of it is there's, there's certain types of businesses and, and farms that are, are going to see that as a model they're interested in. And I think that'll be, be um, useful to add to the market. You know, I think on, on our side, what, what we see in you know, places like California, um, certainly, and, and around the world, and, and this impacts a, a lot of uh, Midwest agriculture as well, that's, that's irrigated, particularly in areas like Nebraska, um, is what, you know, what's happening around um, you know, natural resource scarcity and what, you know, how are we going to be able to manage decisions and manage these resources like water out into the, you know, the next 10 years. And, um, you know, I think that goes, goes hand in hand with some of these future business models is what are the other future challenges. And, uh, you know, when I go out and talk to farmers, things like, uh, natural resource management, sustainability are becoming bigger and bigger uh, priorities for them. Mm-hmm. Jim, kind of my last, my last question here is about the investment. I know uh, Arable is run by investors. You have some hindsight, prob- prob- maybe some, um, some hindsight not a lot of people have about watching a lot of money coming into ad tech investment um, in the beginning part of your, your life at Climate Corp. And not all of it was good money. Um, not all of it was good innovation. And I wonder, has ad tech learned its lesson and, and where's the money coming from and going to now? Interesting uh, you know, to, to watch that. I, I, you know, going back to certainly 2013 um, and being part of the Climate Corporation acquisition, um, you know, certainly in the... 24 months immediately following that, uh, it felt like there was a mad rush of both companies popping up, wanting to be, you know, the next big thing. Um, and yeah, maybe money pouring in from areas that had never really spent too much time thinking about agriculture. And that led to a lot of froth in the market of uh, people maybe, you know, throwing money at ideas that, that hadn't really been fully thought through. And, and a lot of companies, and that's kind of settled out a little bit um, on both sides. You know, I think the companies that you see that have either made it through that period or are coming to market now are a lot uh, more mature, well thought out. Some things have been sort of sort of fallen by the wayside. And I see that on the investor side as well. You, you have a lot smarter um, uh, perspectives on, on sort of what it takes to succeed in agriculture and, and what the cycle of the industry and the timelines and the expectations need to be. Um, so I think, you know, in the six years um, that that timeline sort of runs over, I, I think it's, it's changed a lot. And um, I think it's in a, a really healthy place, both in terms of having learned some of those lessons and matured, but also in terms of the fact that it is still just so early. You know, I just, you look at a number of other technology industries and sort of how they've developed and how long it's taken the real concerted effort in sort of investing into this era of digitization in agriculture is, is still in the early chapters of the book. Um, and there's 
huge opportunity still out in front of us. And, you, you know, I touched on it before you look at sort of hallmarks of, of a technology industry's maturity, things like, you know, how much, how much do you see really strong partnerships that include sort of deeper, more complex integration in the early days, everybody's kind of fighting over their piece of the pie and not yet mature enough to pursue those things. As, as you start to connect to the wires um, and you can really invest in what's going to create value for the customer, you'll see, yes, I think some consolidation, but also more and more of these partnerships that the customer really benefits from. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that we're excited to be adding to and pursuing here at Arable. That's a great way to wrap up. Jim, anything else I forgot? Any, uh, anything else you're excited about? in ag tech going forward or in agriculture in general or things that keep you up at night? Yeah, I think the, the piece that I'm, I'm most excited about and I, you know, I, I touched on in the beginning is if I, if I look at the <clears throat> position where, you know, where agriculture sits today, you know, one of the most important engines of humanity on, on the planet, a uh, huge impact on how we feed the world, uh, and you know, the economies around the world and the environment. And then I look at how much opportunity there is out in front of us to really innovate in, you know, and optimize and, and improve that. I just don't think there's a better place in the world right now where that ratio of uh, you know, the impact you can have, the, the good you can do, um, and how much of it is still out in front of us. I don't think there's any other place you could be either uh, working or investing today that could make that big of a difference and that's what gets me up in the morning you know walking fast into work and excited to you know to be working with our team here at Arable to uh, you know to try and make make our dent in that that's a fantastically noble sentiment to end on that's Jim Effington he's CEO of Arable Labs you can check out more about his technology and his crew at arable.com and you can learn more on sensors and listen to other podcasts like these at precisionag.com. Thanks for joining us.